Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is John Kerman, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hi, this is PJ Butler, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is Kyle, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hey, this is Jim. We're leaving a Legacy. Got a mouthful of meat. Um, oh, wait. That's not what I meant. Don't put that on there. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one parents have been posted. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. This is Patrick. I am your Legacy Newbie. With me today, I got uh, two Legacy experts on the call. Mr. Jerry Me. What's up? What's going on, man? And Mr. Adrian, what's going on, dude? Oh, I was still waiting for the second Legacy expert. <laughs> <laughs> what's How you guys doing, man? I'm tired. Oh, me too. It's been a week. Fuck it. I'm disturbed. Disturbed? Oh, oh yeah. Good, good band. Good band. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Before your time. After your time. In no. your time. Right on my time. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm ready to talk some legacy. What about you guys? Sure. Good. Sure, why not? No. Good. <laughs> yeah, what else are we going to do? I am surprised I made it on the call today, to be honest with you. I thought I would still be working on my living room. So I did not get well, stuck we, in the endless. Going on the living room. What's that? Yeah, going on in the living room. I uh I ripped out the old disgusting carpet that was from the previous owners or the previous previous owners perhaps and uh put down a floor did some did some painting on the uh, baseboard put that back in framed out a closet painted the ceiling was busy this weekend very busy sounds good sounds yeah, like man. so so you're gonna get into a bathroom next no no I know what happens when I get into a bathroom <laughs> I don't I don't come out for a month and a half <laughs> you have a beard three feet long. <laughs> It's like a black yes. hole. I don't want to do that. No, but uh, so this past weekend we had GB Chiba going on over in uh, China. Chiba. China. This is what Donald Trump's talking about, man. All of our good stuff's getting shipped over to China, including our legacy GPs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chiba. Chiba's also in Japan. Oh, sure. So Japan. Sure. Racist. <laughs> I don't know where this stuff is. Hey, I was a history major, not a geography major, okay? Okay. Uh, from the internet, Chiba is a Japanese prefecture encompassing Tokyo's eastern outskirts and rural Boso Peninsula. Oh, you're racist in... now. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it has weird symbols over it I've never seen before. <laughs> B squiggly line O S squiggly line O Peninsula. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to end this before it gets any deeper. Okay. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. Yeah, that sounds good. Good. <laughs> you, if you end that, I won't go into other shit. So oh, we'll boy. Good. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> good. Uh, so, GP Chiba, taken down by Jerry's, I mean, Jerry's sweetheart deck, right? <laughs> I mean, like... Not only is it like my sweetheart deck that took it down, it's like... The stereotypical, this is what you show a player who's never pl- seen the deck before list. <laughs> like, it's it's literally a textbook example of the deck. <laughs> the entire deck is four ofs, except for the one of Jace the Mind Sculptor. <laughs> yep. Looks I per- 
Yeah, I personally would like a little more spice, but I guess bland old Sneak and Show one. I'm still happy. I'm still happy. Good, good. I'm glad. We're glad for yeah. you. No omniscience in it. No omniscience, which I like. I like the the purest build. But uh, yeah, four Grizzlebrand, four Emrakul, four Ponder, four Preordain, four Brainstorm, four Spellpierce, four Force of Will, four Show and Tell, four Lotus Petal, four Sneak Attack. Three Island, three Volcanic Island, two Scalding Tarn, two Flooded Strand, two Misty Rainforest, two Polluted Delta. I like that, like, two of every <laughs> fetch land, too. He's hedging against, like, the surgical extraction play. <laughs> or Pything Needle. Or Pything Needle. Uh, three Ancient Tomb, two City of Traders. Though, honestly, if you're Pything Needle, a fetch land against Sneak and Show, something serious wrong is going <laughs> something on. Something <laughs> bad is happening. Yeah, so, so congrats on Kentaro Yamamoto for taking it down. Um, yeah. Very, like, stock list, right? Nothing even, like... Exciting in the sideboard. Yeah, I mean, like, three Blood Moon, that's pretty standard. A Grafticker's Cage, standard. I Like, the spiciest thing in his sideboard is he has two Grim Lavamancer. <laughs> as, like, I guess, hate against uh, Containment Priest. Does it hurt your soul to call that spice? Like <laughs> ah, A little bit. <laughs> like, Grim Lavamancer's the spiciest thing in the deck. <laughs> <laughs> take two, take two, take two. Uh, yeah, I mean, he won. Good for him. Just try and have a little class. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, but it seemed like a um, a very uh, miracles heavy top eight overall, right? Yeah, which is pretty good for sneak and show. Sneak and show has a higher curve. Like your money cards cost three and four, so it's really hard for counterbalance to counter those unless the uh, miracles player gets lucky mm-hmm. or is like planning for it and you know also gets a little bit lucky just having those things on top with a sensei's top counterbalance setup. Mm-hmm. So miracles tends to be on the easier side. Okay. Yeah, it looks like we had Sneak and Show, Miracles, Miracles, Sneak and Show, Miracles, Storm, Elves, and Death and Taxes rounding out our top eight. So I'm Yeah, sure and I mean know. yeah, Death and Taxes is definitely the hardest deck in the top eight for sneak and show mm-hmm. but other than that like storm is probably second hardest just because it's really fast but you know he's packing fluster storm in his sideboard uh you know pyroblast is a little bit useful and just taking out the early cantrips so he has he has he has options here yeah yeah so uh was there anything in like the top so they have the top 64 deck lists uh out there i saw quite a few blue red delver lists but nothing that Kind of like struck my fancy. Um, some of the Eldrazi lists were a little, it varied a little bit, but nothing too out of the ordinary. Was there anything that kind of caught your eye? There's a lot of spicy uh, brew, not even brews, but like like niche decks, mm. uh, like the food chain in Twenty Second. Yeah, I saw multiple. I actually saw multiple food chain decks. Yeah, multiple Twenty Second, one Eighteenth. I like the third. I like the one in 22nd because he's varying it up a little bit. He's actually running one Eternal Scourge, which is the new card from uh, Shadows Over Innistrad or Rise of the Eldrazi. Yeah, that's the one you can cast from Exile, right? Yeah, it's three for a 3-3. You can cast it from Exile. So uh, he's running one of that, and he shaved a Mist Holographin. He's only running three Mist Holographins. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a nice addition to Food Chain because it allows you to combo off one turn earlier. Hmm. Uh, it's a bit more... Uh, susceptible to removal just because it's a three drop rather than a four drop so we can get a abrupt decade um but i mean when it becomes the target of a spell or an ability you exile it anyways right so if some weird things could happen with a stack where they can interrupt you but just being able to go off a turn earlier is a big upgrade hmm 
You know what? So wait, hold on, wait a second. Let's see. If you if you have food chain in play and then you exile and you exile uh, Eternal Scourge, you can just go infinite with that, right? Yeah. Okay. Because food chain adds one more than right. the exiled card, so you go infinite. You make infinite mana, and then the plan he has is Genesis Hydra. Mm-hmm. Some food chain lists will run it. Some food chain lists won't. But Genesis Hydra is green green X for a zero zero. Enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, but the real money uh, maker on the card is when you cast it, you reveal the top X cards of your library. You may put a non-land permanent card with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Mm-hmm. So you basically you do it for 60 or however much is in your deck. Uh, reveal the top cards of your deck until you find Tidesprout Tyrant. Which is, you know, 8 for a 5 5 flying. Whenever you play a spell, return target permanent to its owner's hands. Mm-hmm. So you put Tide Spout Tyrant in play. You repeat the process with either Mist Hollow Griffin or Eternal Scourge and bounce your opponent's board. <laughs> and <laughs> you probably are going to win the game by that point. <laughs> if you haven't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so that was a that was a cool spicy brew. I played food chain for a while. Uh, I did I did well with it. It's just I feel food chain's biggest strength is that your opponents don't necessarily know what you're doing. They don't know how to interact with you. Mm-hmm. So it's really good for kind of like the early stages of a tournament. But once you start kind of playing those more experienced players, kind of towards the top brackets, um, the deck loses a lot of its edge. Yeah. But it's also just a resilient combo deck that can turn into a mid-range beatdown deck. I mean, it's also running, like, Leovold, it's running uh, Tassiger, uh, Baleful Strix, you know, Deathrite Shaman, uh, it's got a 1 of Ventillion Click, and also just, you know, uh, the Mist Hollow Griffins is 3-3 flying 4-drops. You know, once you get them in play, they're basically Delver of Secrets, mm-hmm. so they, they chunk your opponent's life total pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So, I, I've always liked Food Chain, it's a cool deck. What do you think, Adrian? I, I know you had some thoughts on Food Chain, didn't you? Yeah, I just I didn't have all the cards to put it together as best I could. Like I was missing um, manipulate fate, right? Okay. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah, manipulate fate. That's the one you search your library for cards and then exile them. Yeah, the decks. I mean, the decks fun. It's 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 weird because it can play like a normal deck, but it can also combo out like fucking silly out of yeah. nowhere. What I did really like was I I like playing Tidespout Tyrant, and whenever you just start bouncing shit. When you could like just <laughs> land that, bounce your whole opponent's board, and sit back. It, the deck's fun. The deck is fun. The uh, that that the twenty second list, Jerry is also running sixty one cards in the main. So I figured I figured that's why you picked it. Ah, uh, my sixty one sense was tingling. <laughs> we need to get the PR group on that. We need some better branding. Sixty sixty one cents, and it doesn't roll off the tongue. It's probably about as good as we can do. <laughs> yeah, probably. Our PR department sucks. <laughs> Give them all <laughs> slips. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of a good amount of Eldrazi, a lot of miracles in the top in the top sixty four. Um, saw some shardless lists. The shardless the, the shardless lists I saw were not running. Uh, what was that? What was that card? Master of the Wild Hunt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that in any of the lists, but uh, maybe that just hasn't caught on yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh another spicy list I just happened across. Did you see thirty seventh place? I did not. We are gonna go look at it right now. I'm gonna link I just linked it oh, for perfect. you. Uh Takiro Ikada's Dragon Stompy. Ooh, I like that. 
Oh man, it is pure dragon stompy spice. <laughs> He's running so three Chandra Torch of Defiance. So new Chandra making an appearance I, in Legacy. I told you, I told you it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit in Dragon Stompy, you know it's good. One of the most, one of the most prominent decks in the format. Gold. Oh, like so. What's here's what what is interesting about this deck. This deck is using a lot of like fairly new cards. Chandra, yeah. Thunder Thunderbreak Region. Yeah, three Shaman, Thunderbreak Region. Shaman of the Great Hunt, three Sin Prodder. Uh, <laughs> this deck is basically standard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Four Fairy Confluence. Magma Jet. That can't uh, be right. <laughs> it's one of maybe he just wants the Scry. <laughs> okay, sure. Scry two, sure. Um, but yeah, interesting. Uh, Let's see, four Goblin Rob Master, four Magus of the Moon, four Simeon Spirit Guide. This deck like is that. actually this deck is like sweet. The Sin Prodder. The Sin Prodder is hilarious. That deck, that card is it's it's it, oh man. I it's, I opened it at the pre release when I played the pre release and it won me every game on its back. When whenever I played it at the pre release, it it also won me games. There's no doubt about it. So that's that's the um it's a it's a creature devil for two and a red. It has menace. Uh, so it can be blocked except by two or more creatures, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, and it's three two, yeah, so it it's beats down. Yeah, for sure. And at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library. Any opponent may have you put that card into your graveyard. If a player does, Sin Prodder deals damage to that player equal to the that card's converted mana cost. Otherwise, put that card into your hand. Which is real good in a deck where it looks like the average converted mana cost is about three. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know... Thunderbreak Regions a four, Shaman of the Great Hunts a three. Um, no, Shaman of the Great Hunts a four. Oh, you're right. It is a four. Yeah, Thunderbreak's a four, Shaman's a four. Chandra's like, a four, Magnus is a three, Simeon Spirit Guide is a three, Com- Fiery Confluence is a four, Trinisphere is three, Chalice of the Void is a bad hit. Yeah, uh, same Chrom- with Chromox. Chromox, but I mean, other than those, like, you're just hitting money every yeah, time. Bolt, 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 Fiery Confluence is a four. Yeah, so just, it's a... Uh, it's this is seems sweet. This deck seems sweet, actually. <laughs> what does Shaman of the Great Hunt do? <laughs> Shaman of the Great Hunt's three and a red for an orc shaman. It's from uh, Fate Reforged. Uh, it has haste. Whenever a creature you control deals damage, deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Uh, it's just a four two. Yeah, it's a four two. It's ferocious. Two green think he can... green, but he's not playing. He's not playing it for the. Yeah, there's thing. no. He's playing the ferocious. But he's definitely playing it as a four two haste. You know. Yeah. I think it also just combos with Goblin Rabble Master. Mm-hmm. Rabble Master's just an army in a can. Yep. And go ahead, Adrian. Well, this just this looks like a really interesting build on. This looks like Zach's deck, except yeah. for Goblin Settler Mog catch is not there, but it's very similar. It's just like Red Land Hate <laughs> Lockout. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that's kind of like what the Stompy Stompy Shell is. Because, you know, the way the deck wins a lot of its matchups is it just has four City of Traders, four Ancient Tombs, and then with the Simeon Spirit Guides and Chromoxes, you can just power out these three drops on turn one. So you're playing, like, a Trinisphere on turn one, a Blood Moon on turn one, Chalice of the Void on two on turn one, and that just, just wrecks so many Legacy decks. And then once you kind of have your opponent on the back foot, you just start dropping... <laughs> you have them crying... Yeah, once you have your opponent crying, you just start dropping these, like, four-drop beaters. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, yeah, I really like that. 
Juan wants this. <laughs> two two spots later, is <laughs> another Dragon Stompy list. Yep, and this Most, one running Force and Prodder. <laughs> yeah, Force and Prodder in this one. <laughs> uh, let's see, very similar list. Again, running three of the Chandra, um, a Thunder Maw Hellkite, which he's is running, sweet. He's running four Fiery Confluence. Yep. <laughs> Thunder Break Jeez. Legion. Yeah, this is a very similar list. A couple of different, you know... Like he's traded out like the uh, he traded in a sun shock for trading out the uh, magma jet. <laughs> <laughs> I always like sun shock. Yeah, I know. It's a this seems like a cool list though. Yeah, I wonder if they're friends or it's just a weird coincidence. <laughs> he's also running two Koth of the hammer and one Chandra pyromancer in his sideboard. Koth is sweet. I like that card. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's that's there's some interesting decks over here, man. I see Black Red Reanimator, Moral Drazi, Moral Drazi, the Shardless Bug. Let's see if they have. Nope, they don't have it. They don't have Master of the Wild Hunt either. These guys are a little bit behind, I think. You know. Yeah, they're not up on the uh, the Worcester meta. (laughs) They're not up on the tech. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Christopher Lissette came in 51st, running miracles. Oh, Joe Lissette flew to Japan. Surprise, surprise. But Uh, uh, quite. I mean, it seems like it still seems like miracles is far and away the number one deck in the top 64 though yeah across all metas it's just it's the best control deck so if you want to run control there's just no other reason to run anything else <laughs> yeah you, you ever just mishear somebody <laughs> you like miracles across all metas and I, I thought you said across all formats for a second <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 seeped into modern, you know, miracle yeah. modern. Well, they, they they do that lantern control, right? Yeah, lantern control, which is probably actually more miserable than miracles. <laughs> it's a more uh, miserable. I don't know. For me, it's a more miserable format. So probably. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, oh actually, no. It, so so day two, I have the uh, the meta game breakdown here. Let me send it over to you guys. But miracles is actually not the most played deck in day two. It was actually Eldrazi. Was it Jerry's Sneaking Show? Oh. No, it was Eldrazi. Eldrazi had 99 copies in day two. They made up 13% of the meta. Miracles was behind in 78 with 78 copies, 10.4% of the meta. Um, Shardless Bug, Death and Taxes. 20, wait, 22 copies of Tin Fins? Shut <laughs> 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 up. Yeah. 2.9% of the meta was Tin Wait, fins. are you kidding? No. Oh, <laughs> shit, you're serious. There were, there were two times as many Tin Fins lists as Sneak and Show lists. That is interesting. Sneak, Sneak and Show only had 10 copies. Oh, that's awesome. All right, show me some of these lists. I want to see what they're calling Tin Fins, because it may not be, you know? I bet you they're lumping in Bla- the Black Red Reanimator with Tin Fins now. They may they're... be doing anything that runs Shallow Grave. Yeah, anything that runs Shallow Grave. I mean, I would consider Black Red Reanimator to be... Like Tin Fins, it's just they don't have the tendrils win. They well, just, no, you, the one I, I was just looking at a list that was Black Red Reanimator that was definitely not Tin Fins. It was doing like Unmask and it, whenever I see a Reanimator yeah, list that starts with Chancellor of the Annex. Yeah, that's like the newer the newer uh, Reanimator yeah. that's been around. The Black well, no, that's Red like list. well, it's it's been around for a while. People been Reanimator uh, what forty first forty first place has Chancellor of the Annex, Four Grizzlebrand, Simeon Spirit Guides, Tide Spout, um, Sire of Insanity. Like that's a regular. It just uses uh, reanimate and exhum. There's no, there's no instant this turn combo out. Oh so, yeah. So I'm curious what they actually are calling tin fins because that's just black red reanimator there. Yeah. Well, we're not seeing any in the top 32, so they probably didn't do that well. <laughs> yeah. 
because it's stuff uh, pilot, that's why. But still, 22 copies is ridiculous. That's a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, like the, I, I got to check the source. There's probably all sorts of tournament reports then. Like yeah, so. Three copies of Food Chain, four copies of Aluren, but 22 copies of Tinfins. <laughs> 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 like, to put that in perspective, that's almost the same number of copies as Burn at 23, <laughs> Lands at 24, and Four Color Delver. It's more more popular than Four Color Delver at 21. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Pug Delver at 20. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's awesome. So so one thing that kind of sticks out to me is that when you look at the top 32, there is an, uh, a what's – the, what's the best way to put it? Um, an unbalanced amount of miracles in that in that list. So like I, we don't have to rehash the whole thing, but I think it's just another <laughs> kind of feather in the cap of like the – something probably well, should be done about that deck. Yeah, well, you know why they are so prevalent in, like, the 16 to 32 bracket? is because all these Miracles players who are good but are picking up draws. Mm -hmm. And so the draws force them out of the top 8, top 16, and they get stuck in, like, the top 32, top 64 brackets. Yeah, but I think it's also part of it being, like, just a very consistent deck, right? Right, oh, yeah. Like, and very very powerful. I think it's a very powerful deck. You're preaching to the choir, Pat. Yeah, I know. I'm just, saying, I'm just reiterating since you know I'm sure we have people who this is the first episode they listen to, uh, you know, Ben, Ben, Ben. Well, sure that's, yeah, nobody's gonna listen to this, dude. <laughs> about this shit. This is true. This is true. We're just doing this for us. It's all about us. It's all about me. <laughs> this, this, this is the only way I get to talk to Jerry. I fucking never see him anymore. <laughs> I know, I can't make it out to the shops as much as I want. I was going to go this Sunday, and then it was a little stupid modern. Oh, that's right, they do that modern shit. Yep, modern on the last Sunday of the month. Yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm figuring at some point Lita may be working and I can go play. Cause I, that's, or, I don't know, I'll find a way to go play at some point. I gotta play sometime soon. I started, I was talking to somebody the other day, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put Shardless Bug back together now. Nice. You put decks together and sell them quicker than you play them. Uh, no, not really. Yeah, somewhat. Somewhat. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of go play, did you guys see the announcement from TJ's about the uh, the Titanium series they're going to be holding? Yes. Like the legacy events that are included in them. I actually no, I barely saw the announcement, but I was talking to um somebody I know that uh, is going to put some decks together. Kind of wants to play them when he gets a chance, but he Mm -hmm. doesn't. um, he doesn't do a hell of a lot of legacy, but he's very active with TJ's. Okay. Why don't you run it down, Pat? Just tell me when I need to show up with my decks. All right, let me hold on. Let me pull it up because <laughs> I actually I saw the announcement a while ago, and I just kind of brushed it off because all I saw in the announcement was um was like modern, 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 right? So I'm like, oh, I really don't care about that at all. Um, but then uh, let me see. They I thought they I think they posted it on the uh on the page. So it looks mostly like a modern focused um like series, but uh let's see. Let me look at the announcement real quick and see what the uh So um they are pleased to offer a legacy $2700 cash event on the Sunday of each Titanium Plus weekend and that pool dub- that prize pool doubles at 250 players. So every time they run um one of the uh Titanium Plus weekends, there'll be a legacy event with a $2700 cash prize on Sunday. 
And is it at, is it at TJ's? I think I think that's the idea. Um, let's see. Although no, there's no way it can be because they can't fit 250 people down there. That's what I was thinking. I mean, they could come close, but I don't think they could break 250. No, I don't. No, think he's, could, I, he's, yeah, a lot of times he has a tendency to rent out. Uh, what is it? The DCU center. Right. Right. Let's see. Um. So, all right, so it has three types of events, uh, each of which has the potential to grab you a slot in the year-end invitational. So each month there will be two slots awarded. Let's see. Okay, so there's there's like the the, the TJ is collectible. The TJ collectibles titanium series. They have one Ks, which are hosted each and every month in Milford. Um, the first one's on January 28th, um, and then they will also hold quarterly titanium plus weekend long events. And that's the one that will be at the that will have a legacy event on Sunday, um, and it doesn't look I don't I don't see them saying where it's going to be, but it probably will. If I was going to assume it would also it would be at the DCU Center. Yes, they they do a lot of stuff over there. Oh yeah, so yeah, so March fourth and fifth at the DCU Center in Worcester, Mass is the first weekend. So the fifth will have the um will have the uh, uh the cash tournament on Sunday. Hell yeah! All right, adding that to the calendar, March fifth. Yep, go on. That will be the TJ's. Titanium Plus series, twenty seven hundred dollars, and it doubles at at two hundred fifty players. Seems pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if they'll break it for the first one, but I could definitely see them uh, breaking that. I mean, when you have a bunch of duels running in Rhode Island and they get a hundred players, like I <laughs> yeah, like, tiny little store. You know what I mean? I think that we can do two hundred fifty in in uh in Worcester, especially when like when you think about like the only place that they're having legacy opens anymore for SEG is in Worcester. And those are like 700 players. Like I guarantee you, they'll be able to get 250 players if if they get the word out. You know. Yeah, that's true. So, so shout out to TJ's for uh, supporting some legacy because they haven't done that, um, and at least since I've been playing the game, I haven't seen them do much with legacy. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's a creepy witch coming to sneak up on one of you and stab you in the back. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sounds like it was on Adrian's side since he's scratching his head. <laughs> Lita walked in the door. Oh, it was the longest. She's sick, she's sick and dying, so she had to come in from a cigarette. That's all. Oh, I don't know. Uh, creak. <laughs> I can fix the bathroom. I just can't oil a hinge. No. <laughs> uh, so what uh, else, guys? What else is going on? Uh, there's a, uh, another tournament coming up this Saturday at, uh, Gaming Etc. They're doing a 1K. Oh, yeah, that's right. Are you guys going to that? I'm going to go. I'm going to play some uh, Thing in the Ice. i got to oh, put yeah. Shardless Bug back together. What do, you, what, what, do you, what do you need? I'll put it together. Oh, my God, everything. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, it's more like, what do I have? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I really, I need everything. Uh i got to put Shardless Bug back together. Once I get Shardless Bug back together, um, you know, I can, I can head up there and my son can play Ten Fins or something. I, I, I feel bad with the one deck. Makes it bad with, like, two-player. <laughs> dad and son can't go play like that. <laughs> son, just watch your dad play. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that always fun? It's, it's so much fun. I mean, he's really he's really not into it. Like, he used to he used to play. He used to play. He hasn't been into it in a while. Um I think sometimes he can get into it, but I gotta at least bring him a deck. Yeah, he he he's probably more content to just bring his PS Vita and play that. But I think this weekend actually I gotta do something where I I don't know take him and his girlfriend out so that his report card came in. It was good, so I wanna 
kind of encourage him a little bit. You nice. should take him and him and his girlfriend to the magic tournament. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Go over well. Yeah. No. I'll, no. I don't think I'm going to do that though. <laughs> Okay, well, if you change your mind, just let me know. <laughs> I gotta, I, I gotta get Shardless Bug back together. I gotta get it back together quick. And I, I still, I gotta pick up like uh, Deathrite Shamans, Tarmogoyfs, Liliana, Jace. I, I, like all I really have now is Abrupticates and him to Torax. I, I mean, that's the base. That's a good deck right there. Four Abrupticay, for him to Torax. I'd play that. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I have. I think I still need another Tropical Island, and then I gotta. Uh, diversify some fetches out. I gotta figure out. Um, you know, I'm not interested in picking up Zendikar fetches. This is what I was talking to somebody about the other day. I was ta- we were talking about uh, putting Shardless Bug back together. He wants to put Shard. He was debating if he wanted to put Shardless Bug back together. And then as we were talking, he had said something about playing Tron and Modern. I'm like, oh well, if you play Tron and Modern, you might actually like 12 post. <laughs> and then he looked at it and it sounded like he fell in love with the idea of playing 12 post. <laughs> Uh, I can't think of anything. It would, like, what else would Jerry? What do you think? What else would parallel with modern Tron? No, I mean, Twelve Post is Tron. Like, I'm surprised he's a Tron player and didn't know Twelve Post existed. Um, yeah, like, the only other thing I could think of that would cast big fat shit like that is Metalworker. Yeah, I mean, like mud, mud. But I mean, Twelve Post, mud post, mud. They they kind of blur together. Okay. Sorry, Kate, all, sorry, Kate. All your decks are look the same to me. <laughs> I'm coming. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just talking to him like you might want to check out Twelve Post, and I kind of, um, and then I was, I told him, I said, I'm, I don't have the familiarity of playing Twelve Post, but if you like Tron, then that's probably your, you know, you, you might like that better. But I, I said, you know, you might want to check with Kate, Aaron, and Evan, because those are those are three people that I know play Twelve Post. I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, there's other people around that play 12 posts, but none that have none that none there are as as active on the on the on the Facebook group anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, also check out uh, the Booze Cubes uh, mono green post list because that's a that's a pretty budget version too. Like, I think you can put that together for like five hundred, six hundred dollars. Maybe I'm confusing the Magic Online price, but I I seem to remember it being like really cheap to put together. Well, mono green it still runs uh still runs Candelabra, so you're thinking of the it online. does. Yeah, it must be. I think maybe I, the online one was like a hundred dollars. Yeah, I together. think online is like two, three hundred bucks, which is cheap for a legacy deck online. And I'm just I don't, I don't know. This is <laughs> what what are candelabras at right now? A lot. Uh, paper, <laughs> kidney. No, they're not a kidney. Uh... Candelabra Thanos. Let's see. Oh shit, they have five hundred bucks. No, that's okay. actually cheaper than I expected them to be. Well, I bu- I know I bought them at one fifty a while ago and sold them at like three hundred or some fucking thing. Like, there's just some cards that kind of do crazy shit. I mean, like, it was, it's one of those, you know, the thing is, it's, it's a card that only goes in two decks, and really only one of them is played now, right? I mean, is there another deck besides 12 Post and High Tide that would use Candelabras? Not that I can think of. Okay. But I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's something, but not anything that sees play. And I don't know, I don't know what Vintage does with them. I don't know if anybody in Vintage uses Candlesticks or not. Yeah, I don't know. I think Candelabra is just one of those expensive cards because it's it was always kind of expensive and it's a uh, it's like a collector's item. Like I remember even when I first started playing, Dual Lands were fifty dollars and you know Candelabras were still like thirty, forty dollars. Sure, there's all that shit, but I mean, what I, what I'm saying is, like I I bought them a while ago. Not even when I first started, like when I started playing again, I, I picked them up for one fifty, and then it was like that weekend that Feline crushed with High Tide, and then they they shot up. 
you know, like you can, and you can still find them. Like I'm, I'm, I'm saying 500, but honestly, I am looking at SCG and they have it as near mint. So that's the highest price you'll see is 500 bucks for a candelabra, right? But you go find them, you probably find them for three and a quarter, maybe 350, 300, something like that. Yeah, as long as you don't mind played ones. Like right now on TCG Player, you can pick up a heavily played one for 300. Yeah, and then it's and so what does that look to do eventually? Like, I mean, so this is this is so this kind of goes into another topic, all right? And this is something that, um, you know, we were talking about, and I wanted to see he he kind of. There was a request for some information here to see how we each handle. <laughs> Did we get a Freedom of Information Act petition? <laughs> oh, you are free? Okay. Um, I don't know. Does it? Oh, Jesus, don't even fucking stop me on that shit. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Go on. Tangent. Tangent. Go on. Go on. You want me to go, you want me to go on a tangent? No. Nope, you want me nope. to stay on focus? Stay, stay on target. All right. All right. So we were having a conversation the other day. So we were talking the other day, and um, – he, he, we started we started discussing the kind of like the economics of magic, mm-hmm. but I think the three of us have different perspectives on what we do with it, and and this is kind of what we could discuss here. Like, okay. like how would you go about? Let's say you wanted to build twelve posts and you got to look at these five hundred dollar cards. How would you go about trying to put this deck together? Like, like I'm um, I'm guessing I'm only assuming. Um, like I take Jerry as somebody who would like pick cards up, keep them in a collection, lock them up in a vault, and like pull from him and build decks every once in a while and like that's just what he does with them like jerry just has a collection that he's amassed over time um pat's yeah. still trying to figure out how to put it together and i'm <laughs> kind of okay to just fucking put it together and sell it and put it together again later on like but but kind of the nature of how you'd go about that like like so i guess uh, what what are your theories on kind of putting the economics of magic into your life uh, Jerry, you want to go first? You want me to? You want me to go first? You you can go first, Pat. All right. So so what I've done in the past, um, and I think this is good for anyone who's trying to um, get into Legacy. Um, I have picked a deck that I want to build. Decided that that's the deck I want to build. I try to pick up all the reasonably priced pieces. So anything that's like under twenty dollars, I pick those up. Um, then I start picking up some of the more expensive pieces. And once I have the majority of the deck together, I will start playing like a suboptimal deck just to start playing the deck. You know what I mean? Um, like, when I was playing Blue Red Delver, I bought, like, my first Volcanic Island, and then I was playing three more Steam Fence, you know? And I was okay with that, and then as time progressed, I would just pick up another Volcanic when I saw a good price on one, and then pick up the third, and pick up the fourth. Um, and that's kind of how I built that deck. And then once I built my first Legacy deck that I really enjoyed playing, um, anytime I wanted to build a second or third deck, I would wait until I had all the pieces of that deck. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like... I, I always had a deck that I could fall back on and I enjoyed playing that was, like, fully kind of optimized. Um, and then I would um, slowly build up pieces to my other decks. And the whole time, like, I was basically trying to funnel non-Legacy cards into Legacy staples. And that's what I did via Puka Trade, which is kind of like, uh, I don't know how well how well that site is it runs anymore because I don't really use it. Um, but that's what I use the site for. And I'm, if you were at your local shop, you could also do the same thing. Just funneling, like, you know, ones and fives that are standard cards or modern cards into, you know, 20s and 50s and 100s that are legacy cards. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. Like, I like to I build my deck. I'll play the first one with suboptimal choices and slowly work my way to being more optimized. And then I will, any deck beyond that, I will slowly build up until they're exactly where I want them to be. Then I'll start playing them. Mm-hmm. But I don't, nice. I, you know, once once I get a legacy card, 
for the most part, if it's something that I'm going to play or it's a it's a part of a deck that I'm going to play, I don't trade them away. I just kind of I sit on them. You know. But what, what was it that you sold off? You sold off a bunch of stuff a while ago, right? Yeah. Well, I had built like I built tin fins, and then I was like, oh, I don't really want to play this. I really wanted to play Eldrazi, so I sold those pieces because it was a deck that I decided I probably wasn't going to play. But the, okay. decks, the decks that I do have that I know I'll play and come back to, things like Blue Red Delver, like Grixis Delver, um, Eldrazi, and do I have another one? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Um, so how do you how do you personally uh, like justify or account for or prepare for a purchase of a volcanic island? So for me, I the what what I do is I actually just look for a good deal. Like I, I if I'm in the position to buy a volcanic island. I have the money already, and I'm just waiting, waiting to pull the trigger on one. Um, mm. As far as justifying it, like it's. For did me, you have like, to? Did you have to like make cuts someplace else in life to be able to get the money together to put together on a, on a volcanic island or what? Uh, so for the most part, what I did, I was actually pretty lucky. Um, I was able to, again, like funnel cards that I already had into into money. Um, okay. Or I would just like save my own money, like you know, for the most part, like magic doesn't take a ton of my money away from me. Um, I spend now. I spend as much as I want, as I wish to spend. Like you know, when I was first starting to get the legacy together, like yeah, I was spending a couple hundred dollars here and there. But for the most part, um, now I, it's like tournament entries, and that's about it. It doesn't cost me much. So, um, but yeah, I like to I, I like to get what I need when I need it. If I see a good deal, I'll pick it up. I'm never like uh, rushing to get anything for the most part. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little proud of you too, actually. <laughs> but, but no, really, one of one of my friends kind of jokes around. He's like, "Money is this taboo topic." He's like, "You can sit on a couch with somebody, date them, lick each other, get naked. Just don't ask me what I make." <laughs> so, so like, your you, you candor is appreciated. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm that's a much health, it's a much healthier way than me of just like turning tricks on the street for you. <laughs> uh, for me, it, it was kind of. Uh, mine's a little bit different from the way Pat uh, went about it. So uh, for me, when I first got into it, I was kind of lucky in that I started playing an Onslaught. So I was able to pick up some dual lands. Not many. Like, I basically had three Tropical Islands, an Underground Sea, and, like, a Volcanic Island that I got for, you know, between 25 and $50. So when I came back to the game, I kind of had a little bit of a banner base together, but not much. So I was still running suboptimal uh, decks, uh, or mana bases at least, and I started off with Reanimator. And, you know, even though I was playing a suboptimal deck, I still just loved the format and loved showing up every week, that I was okay entering a tournament going full well knowing I was not going to lose that tournament. That I was going to lose that tournament. You know, I was not going to win. Like, I was running Reanimator with Buried Alives because I didn't have Entombs. <laughs> like, that's where I started off at. <laughs> but uh, I kind of approach it the same way that a lot of people approach uh, investing who do it successfully in that you just set a you set up a base a, pay, a payment plan where you set up you know however much you can afford whatever what much however much you want to put into it you know whether it's twenty dollars a week or ten dollars a month whatever you can afford you basically set your magic budget aside and you just say this is what I'm going to use to buy singles with I'm not going to buy booster packs because that's a, a money trap um, I'm not going to buy standard singles. I'm going to take this money and, you know, through the slow progress of time, I would just chip away at it and pick up those 
good cards with my, you know, weekly budget. And, you know, sometimes I would have a birthday or it'd be Christmas or I'd get my tax returns and I would get a lump sum of money and be like, okay, I can buy myself a dual land now because I have a little extra spending cash. I can go buy chains. <laughs> yes. I can go buy a chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> Uh, so that's how I built my collection. And I also luckily have never really been in a position where I've needed to sell my collection. Um, you know, I could sell my collection if I wanted to like pay off my student loans or buy a, <laughs> buy a brand new car. Don't worry. I've, I've done the EV estimates and I, it works out in magic's favor, <laughs> but I'm, you know, the, the collection is worth more to me than, you know, these other, uh, goals that I have that I'm already doing pretty well with as is. So because I don't really need the money, I haven't sold any of my major cards uh, because I like having the ability to play pretty much any deck in Legacy that I want to play. And I can put together multiple decks to lend to friends uh, who don't have the uh, the ability to play. So that it's in itself is worth it for me to hold on to the cards. And now that I have this base of cards, no, I've kind of... Yeah, I gotta interrupt you there just for a question. So it's it, it's not so it's that you have the ability to build any deck that you'd want to play, but I, I kind of want to qualify that, right? That's at, at a moment's notice. Right. Yeah. Because that okay. and that also ends up saving you money long run. So if you're constantly buying cards and selling cards and buying cards and selling cards, you're basically paying a broker's fee for the option of playing different decks. You know, you're selling at a lower price than you're buying these cards at, and that difference is the fee that is charged to you to change decks. Whereas, Except mm-hmm. in the case where you sell a candelabra Tanos for more than you bought it for. Right. I mean, there's right. definitely market appreciation and it turn it also depends on how quick your turnover is. You know, if right. you're turning if you're turning over a deck every weekend, that's going to get pretty expensive. If you're doing it every 6 months, you know, maybe it's worthwhile. But for, for me, the, for, for mm-hmm. this for, for this thought experiment, what what if you were like uh, a whole stack of cons fetches sold the collection in 2 years? Like you, you 2 years from now cons fetches would be up. Well, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, with that cons fetches are you thinking of it as an investment or are you thinking of it as you know an opportunity cost I guess, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah we'll leave it towards whatever we'll go back to it sorry <laughs> <laughs> sorry to interrupt so much yeah well no so so uh what i was saying is so now that i have this my collection established and i'm not you know when i want to put a new deck together yeah maybe there's one or two cards i need to pick up to flesh out the deck but i'm not going out and buying these expensive cards that i need uh, for that weekend to play in that event. And so I ended up saving money in the long run by not turning cards over as frequently. And also, now that I have my collection, what I'm kind of focused toward is, like Pat said, just bargain hunting. Uh, when I see a new card come out like Monastery Mentor that I see is clearly a legacy all-star and I see is what looks to be undervalued, I'll pick up my copies now rather than later. You know, I picked up foil copies of uh, Monastery Mentor because I see Monastery Mentor being like Dark Confidant or Vendillion Click or even Tarmogoyf where it's this staple of the format. And a few years from now, after it's been out of print for a few years, it just keeps steadily going up and up in value. You know, same with Abrupt Decays and Deathrite Shamans. You know, I picked up three play sets of Abrupt Decays at $5 each when it was in standard. Uh, now it's, you know, coming close to $15. So, I mean, it 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 adds up over... Nope, oh, where'd you go? Yeah, seeing cards that you know you're going to want to play 
and buying those cards when they're cheap rather than waiting for when you know you need them and suddenly they're three times the cost. But you're saying that adds up over time? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all a game of attrition with Legacy Collections. It's, it's you know, everything adds up over time. And if you just kind of minimize those small taxes, those small fees that comes with playing the game, uh, you end up saving a lot of money. Well, let me ask you a question, Jerry. Uh, let's say two years ago or a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, actually, I guess I don't have to ask you. I could just, I could discuss that, at, like, from my perspective. Is there any, any other thing you want to add into how you assess those things well i mean i think what it also comes down to is not confusing it between an investment and a collection mine is very much a collection i don't see my magic collection as an investment i'm not like keeping tabs of it like i keep tabs of my brokerage account or my 401k okay i put these this these are things that i want to own because they give me pleasure and joy to own them but I also don't want to overpay for these. So I look for ways to minimize the cost, but I'm not strictly looking for ways to make money off of my collection. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I will also add an addendum to mine that, for me, like magic is, is strictly a hobby. It's not something that I do to make money. It's not, I, I do it because I enjoy the game. I enjoy playing. So all any, any, any money I, I mean, this, I'm this not is... looking to get anything out of it other than enjoyment. Well, sure, there's an enjoying the game, but obviously... Uh, Obviously, there's an economic factor. Otherwise, it wouldn't matter to you whether or not you fucking sold shit off. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. But but like, I look at it the same way as like if I'm playing like Xbox One all the time and buying sixty dollars games and trading them into to you know GameStop for ten dollars a copy. You know what I mean? Like that depreciation is brutal, right? But you're like buying a new game maybe every two weeks, really. Like with as fast as you can like run through games. So um, what? Yeah, you buy you buy a new game every two weeks on Xbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm saying. Like, oh my god, I'm glad I don't game. Holy well, no, shit. I'm, I'm saying like that's what you could do if that was if that was your hobby. And you're like, oh, I, I play a lot of video games. Like that's that's fine if that's your hobby. But um, for me, like I, like I said, I look at it as an investment in a hobby that I'm playing, not as something I expect to get much out of other than other than enjoyment. Like, you see, this is what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you feel a little bit what? No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I feel like you can feel a little bit better about buying like a volcanic island when you know you'll probably get a good amount of that back if you decide to sell it. But if all of a sudden, like, tomorrow my collection was worth a fraction of what it's worth now, I wouldn't really lose much sleep over it, to be honest with you. It would be mm-hmm. okay with me. Because yeah. I'm, I'm still able to, I'm still able to play the you game enjoy... I want to play. Yeah, because you enjoy playing the game, yeah. Um, okay. But I, I can imagine, like, looking at a list and seeing four candelabras and be like, oh, Jesus, like, 12, you know, two grand, like, where am I going to spend that? I would buy my first one and then come up with something to... You know, a sub a suboptimal way to to fill in for the other three. That's what I would do. I I also think it comes down to like those types of decks aren't really. I'm just going to come out and say they're not a good choice for new players in Legacy because you're because uh, like twelve post and these these decks that require very high buy-in costs on single item cards like Tabernacle for lands, Candelabra for twelve post. Um, just because they're so niche that you buy them, you drop all this money, you put the deck together, and after two or three tournaments, you realize you don't really like the deck that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's much better for someone new coming into the format 
to kind of attack it from a much broader sense. Like we talk about it all the time in, uh, you know, the, what the hell should I play segment where, you know, pick up your force of wills first, pick up your wastelands first, because these are the cards that while expensive will give you the most bang for your buck because they go into the most decks. And so if you don't like the deck, you, if you realize the deck you put together, you don't like, you're not taking a huge loss selling it to put something else together. Right, but this is—I mean—that goes back to the versatility of purchase, right? I mean, what, what I think what we were talking about was the actual economics of like funding from life. How, how, how do you actually even? How do you even put together fucking like um, what? So force of will goes in a whole bunch of decks. Great. How do you, how do you actually plan to budget to get a force of will? Like, I don't like think. That but- I don't think budgeting for a force will is very difficult at all because you know force wills you can get for about oh. fifty five dollars now. Yeah, you um, make six <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no. I'm saying even <laughs> even someone a college student you know working minimum wage. It's like how much do you pay for your coffee in the morning? You know, skip not sixty five dollars. Not sixty five dollars, but you're paying you know three dollars a day every day, three hundred and sixty five days a year. Um, you know, if you just skip coffee once a week or twice a week or even hell every day, just skip coffee, make coffee at home instead. You know, if you, you can make coffee, get a force of will in two months. No, if you can make coffee at home for a dollar uh, compared to buying a coffee at Starbucks for five dollars. If you buy coffee at Starbucks for five dollars, you're a fucking idiot. Sorry, don't. <laughs> I I buy it for a bucket. Company. You know what I mean. It's all about reducing your cost. You know, it's. I tell this to clients when they're like, "How do I save more for my 401k? How do yeah, I save? It, how do I save more? It's like <laughs> make yeah, make little cuts. Make cuts in your everyday life that are pretty unnoticeable from you for a day to day, but add up over time. You know, the power of compounding interest is huge. If you just do a little bit today, it ends up being a lot tomorrow and the so, day after and the day after that. Wait, wait, so with that, let me ask you a question, Jerry. Uh, so you got a roommate now, right? I do. And this is in your apartment? Uh, yes, that that is what, not in my actual room. I have <laughs> I have my own room, if that's what you're asking. Well, no, but you're still renting, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the power of compounding interest is powerful. Yes. Uh, why are you doing that? Uh, because I do not have the money for a down payment on a Boston downtown house. <laughs> okay. The, the amount I pay in rent is very small compared to the amount of a down payment for, on a house that is in a comparable location. So, yes, you're right. Renting is a bad – is a, no, a perfect example. It's better to buy rather than rent. However, I don't have the capital to put down a down payment on a $2 million house. And <laughs> how, how, much do, how much do you owe in student loans? <laughs> <laughs> I own a lot in student loans. So you can sell off your collection to pay off your student loans, but you can't come up with a down payment to stop paying rent. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We, we, can, we can take that. But, uh, this is why this is why I'm saying that we have like three different approaches to it. That's why I, I that's why I thought it was valuable to be able to talk about this because we mm. got three different three different perspectives. I, I don't and, look and, I don't, I don't any, look at my collection. I don't think any one of them, right? You know, I think it's just what we all do differently. I think yeah. I think the best way to put it is that I don't look at I look at my collection as a luxury item that I don't put much value in, and I but I don't consider it a um, a liquid asset like I think you do, Adrian. Right? Like you see your collection. As a liquid, ax- a liquid I don't asset, fo- I, I, I do not fool myself. All right, my my collection is a liquid asset, and what is the value of it at its liquidity? Okay. Like that's that's I I don't fool myself about it. Like, uh, for example, and this is kind of one of the things I was going to say was, 
picture a year and a half ago, show and tells us 60 bucks. Right, then they get reprinted in conspiracy. So if you actually went and buy listed a show until then, you'd get thirty bucks for it. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy comes out now they're twenty three. You can go get a show and tell. Like you could actually still fucking like yes, you lose thirty dollars fucking buy listing it out, but you recoup that buying the reprint. Now it's not to say that that's a great fucking idea to do that, but um, from my perspective, if I lose that thirty dollars, but I've been able to play with that card for a year and a half, I can be content with that loss because at the same time. Maybe I didn't pay sixty dollars for the show until to begin with. Maybe I bought it when it was thirty, and I watched it go to sixty before I buy listed it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so so that little fucking difference there is the difference between the zero percent interest they're going to give me on my savings account. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean that you kind of summed up the root of my theory perfectly with that because with mine, I I buy it and I hold on to it and. Every day that I have that card and I have the ability to use that card in a deck, I count as value earned on that card. So even if I'm selling it by list for less, um, I'm okay because I, you know, I basically, if I bought it for $20 and I sell it for $10, like, okay, that's the price of a movie ticket. I had as much fun using that card as I would have going to see a movie in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Well, the other, the other thing that's probably valuable, and I think all three of us could probably at least agree on this aspect, I don't buy list out a collection because I need to. I buy list out a collection because I want to. I, I don't like so I don't economically put myself in a position where I need to sell my collection off because I have a fucking mortgage to pay. Right. right. Exactly. Know, I, don't, I don't like yeah, I don't put myself out on a limb where I'm gonna miss a payment on a card or whatever because or like my kid can't go to preschool because I bought three volcanics as well. <laughs> No, I mean, that's like a key principle in investing in general is that you never want to be in a position where you're selling an investment because you need the cash. The worst reason to sell an investment is because you need the cash. You want to sell the investment because either your hypothesis is no longer sound and it's not a good investment anymore. Uh, You can put that money to use in another area by selling this investment. You can use that money to buy something else that will grow at a faster rate or – the third reason is kind of boring, and it has to do with you know tax tax loss and capital gains playing around. So no, that's actually that's actually a good point because a lot of times when I do it, it's off the second. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that I can take the capital, uh, move it out of a fucking magic collection, put it to work someplace else, and use the returns on that to rebuild the magic collection. Right. And that's and that's just opportunity cost in a nutshell, right there. You know, oh, the right. opportunity cost of having this money wrapped up in cardboard compared to putting it somewhere else. Yeah. For me, I've never really been in a position where the opportunity cost of my magic collection is greater than, you know, my desire to hold on to my collection. Well, sure, sure. I mean, like, as a question, this is just for, you know, thought question here. What's the interest rate on your student loans? Uh, They're about 6.5%. Okay, so not terribly high, not compared to like fucking credit card debt. No, no. I mean, if I was, if I had like the same amount as in credit card debt as I had in student loans, I would sell my collection because the interest rate that the credit card bill would go up is greater sure. than the appreciation rate on my Magic collection. No, I, like some somewhat from my perspective is actually like if I eliminate these student loans, I can repurchase this Magic collection easier. Right, and that that's definitely a possibility, but you also have to keep in mind the time frame in between you selling the collection to pay off student loans to you rebuying the collection, because that's also a cost that you have to factor into the opportunity calculation. There's that time frame in there, and then the, but there's also acknowledging like what parts of a collection can be sold when, like like 
right now would be probably a good time to sell Candelabra Tano's compared to when I bought it at 150. Right now would probably be a bad time to sell Show and Tells. You know what I mean? But right now would be a good time to fucking buy Khan's fetches and a terrible time to sell them. Probably a good time to sell Zendikar fetches though, right? Well, that's where kind of the reserve list starts to creep into the discussion because there well, are certain fetches so much. Yeah, there are certain cards that are. I almost feel is there's never a good time to sell them. You know, dual lands. You know, if someone was going to sell their collection tomorrow, I would say fine, do what you have to do. But if you can hold on to every reserve list card in your collection because those are the one cards that you can pretty much be guaranteed aren't going to decrease in value unless something crazy happens to the game. So the it's, only thing you end up losing is the opportunity cost of having held that capital in a in a, piece, in a card. Right. And if you look at, you know, the returns on dual lands from, you know, 2010 to 2015, uh, you would have, yeah, you would, you would have blown the market out of the water. <laughs> so, sure. so, the, you know, it's, 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 I mean, that's kind of where the crystal ball comes into play, knowing which investment is going to pay off, uh, in the long run. But I would say reserve list cards are probably your surest bet. That if you're going to hold on to anything, always hold on to reserve list cards. And I would only sell reserve list cards if I had a very good reason to do so. Now, what about like? All right, so that now we're now we're kind of getting into specific cards. Like I think I was going to say, how would you assess? But what this was was more of a general personal economic handling of Magic because it's it's a game that I mean it's a game that obviously we all fucking love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we handle that, or how do we tether it? How do we assess it? Was kind of more what, what, what I kind of wanted to talk about. So it was actually good because we have. I figured I'm like, well, we have three different perspectives on it. Like I know, Pat, you have more. Um, I mean, I don't know your personal. I don't. I don't know your personal fucking. Pat, like, I, Pat, I don't know. How mu- I don't know how much of it you have to clear with your wife, or how much of it you know. Like I, Pat, I know you. Oh I, yeah, I, I definitely like. Um, my purchases for the most part are. Um. Uh, what's the best way to put it? <laughs> Hidden. I, I make decisions. I make decisions unilaterally. I make decisions unilaterally when I know I that I have the freedom. The when I know I have the freedom to do so. Do you know what I mean? Like when I know that. Like I. I don't ever ask her. Like, hey, I want to buy this volcanic island. Like, what do you think? Because like I know like, there are always <laughs> there are always more important things like than buying cardboard, right? Like especially when you have two kids and a mortgage and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So I definitely make decisions unilaterally, and I've caught heat for it once or twice. Um, but that's but I, I'm okay with that. Like I don't ever put us in a position where it's a problem. You know what I mean? Pat, Pat, that's where the Swiss bank account comes into play. <laughs> I was actually reading. I was reading a study today. It's something like 18 percent of married couples, one spouse has a bank account that the other spouse doesn't know about. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens all the time. It's like we'll put together a, a plan for a client and it's like, okay, you have this much money. This is how much you need to save. This is how much money you can spend in retirement. Plan's all good. Okay, everyone's good. Uh, have a good day. The husband or the wife goes out to the car <laughs> and then the other spouse is like, oh, I forgot a mint. <laughs> Comes back in. It's like, by the way, I also have this account that my wife doesn't know about. At Factor this into the plan as well. <laughs> like, That's oh, amazing. Jesus. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> no, we, so uh, I, I'm not. I'm not into a hidden account at all. Like we have, it, we have it set up as like there's a mine, hers, and ours. Mm-hmm. And um, anything, I mean, anything I do comes out of the mine account anyway. But she's at, at first she was, and I think it still kind of fucking throws her and her family off. And I'm like, yeah, no, I sold a collection and bought a house. They're like, what the hell, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I'm like, no, it's actually it's a very interesting game. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting because my wife and I we have we only have a joint account and a joint savings. Like well, that's because got, she handles your she handles all your finances, right? Because you're bad at which math. is like which is the the most plus EV thing I've ever gone into in my life. <laughs> I have I have when when we first started dating, and I was only like 19 at the time, and like probably till like the age of like 23, 24, my credit was like so, was so bad it was embarrassing because I always forgot to pay shit. Like I was always late and stuff. Not because I didn't have the money; it was just because I would forget. And uh, eventually, she just took over all my finances. She's like, "Give me all your login info, blah 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 blah." And now my credit score is fucking insane. It's actually higher than hers, and she was a little jealous <laughs> of that. But it's like I went to go, I went to go buy a car like two years ago, and um, like my my loan was like auto approved, and they gave me my credit score, and I couldn't believe how high it was. So yeah, like letting her control my paying all my bills and shit has been the most plus EV decision I've ever made in my entire life. <laughs> Good. Sounds like you need a financial advisor, Pat. I honestly, Jerry, like I, I probably do because I actually just I just started getting into like figuring out how I want to set up my four hundred one k and thinking about kind of like planning for the future because I don't want to be working forever. So I am uh I'm working on all that stuff now. Good. That's do a separate it. conversation though we can have someday. Do it. <laughs> or you could be like my dad, where I'm like, "Hey, Dad, you want to talk about you know your retirement plan?" He's like, "I'm going to work until the day I die." <laughs> hey, Dad, <laughs> I'm going to the steel mill. <laughs> my dad doesn't work at a steel mill. <laughs> he's, he's gonna he's gonna find a job there though. He's find a job there. Yeah, he's bored, so he just picked up a spare job at the steel mill. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, well, it's getting getting kind of late. Do you guys want to get into uh, some scoops, or does anyone have anything they want to add before we uh, move on? Yeah, I had the biggest deck from the from the GP Chiba that I wanted to talk about, and you guys wouldn't let me talk about it. You just blew oh. right past it. <laughs> well, so then Jerry puts that deck in top eight. How about you, Pat? <laughs> uh, go, go ahead, Jerry. What do you, why, what do you got? This was sent to me. This was sent to me by the one and only Josh Sissio with the title "This is Pure Spice." <laughs> Uh, it is Yashuri Sasaki. I, I'm butchering what, what, the name. What place did he come in? 48th place. Okay. You got a link? Four-color mid-range. Ross Miriam actually wrote about it. Here you go. Ross Miriam actually wrote about it on uh, SCG Today. And this this deck is value.deck. Just pure value. So it uh, starts off like a normal shardless build. Four Baleful Strix. Draws you cards. Three Shardless Agent draws you cards. Four Berserk Shaman. What? What number? 48th place. I sent the link in the chat. All right. Yeah. No, I just had to scroll way the hell down. Okay, gotcha. So, all right, I'm going to start again. So, we got four Baleful Strix draws you cards. Three Shardless Agent basically draws you cards. Deathrite Shaman doesn't draw you cards, but it's pretty good. Eternal Witness <laughs> draws you cards from the graveyard. <laughs> and then the Spice, four Ninja of Deep Hours. Uh, which it may some of our listeners may know this from the Travis Wu Ninja Bear modern deck, <laughs> but it's three and a blue for a two-two with ninjutsu two. <laughs> so one and a blue ninjutsu, return an unblocked attacker you control to hand, put this card onto the battlefield from your hand, tapped and attacking. So so just real quick because I used to play um. Like uh, some ninja rats in uh, a mono black um, uh, control deck I used to play in, on Magic Online for that Popper. Deck, 
That deck sounds real bad, but go it was, on. It was actually it was like it was it was a monster deck. I never I almost never lost that deck. It was insane. Because uh, it was um, popper. I see. Yeah. The question is, um, so with a ninjutsu ability, do you do you ninjutsu them out as like a flash ability after declare blockers is after yeah. the, the declare well, yeah, blocker yeah, step? Yeah, because it's going to be an unblocked creature. <laughs> Yeah, you just said you played this deck nonstop, and you don't know how the ability because works? I because I could never get the ability to work ever. <laughs> so I took the card out and I put in something else. Cause like this thing this fucking sucks. It was yeah. like bullshit. So you like attack with baleful strix, and your opponent's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna block that death touch baleful strix. You can get your one point of damage. Yeah. You ninjutsu in ninja of deep deep hours." So for one and a blue, you hit them for two, so you chunk their life total. You return Baleful Strix to your hand, so you draw a card off the Ninja of Deep Hours because it has, when it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Mm-hmm. Then and you, you get re- to replay Strix. And you replay Strix to draw another card. Oh, that is sweet. And then you <laughs> cascade into another Strix because you just yeah. a Shardless Agent. Yeah, you do the same, like you attack with Shardless Agent and Eternal Witness. You Ninjutsu one of those. Eternal Witness returns something from your graveyard to your hand. So- so the only thing, I mean, okay, well, you get Shardless Agent here, so what, you have Eternal Witness and Ninja of the Deep Hours and Lightning Bolt. If you replaced Ninja of the Deep Hours and instead of doing this cute little ninjutsu trick, just played Ancestral Visions, what else is missing to make this Shardless bug? Uh, Tarmogoyf. Okay. No Tarmogoyf. Right. Yep. Um, but... Kind of what Ross. Well, then this could be fucking fun to play while I'm trying to put Shardless Bug back together. <laughs> yeah, it's a like it's a budget it's a budget Shardless list. Other than the Dual Lands, the only real expensive card is two Liliana of the Veil. Yeah, you're only fucking around with a Tega. Yeah, and a Midlands and, and some Nazis. No, this could be this could be cute while I'm trying to put together you know everything for Shardless Bug and just holding off on Tarmogoyfs till last. Yeah, it, it's definitely a budget budget version. Um, and then, you know, for the removal, it's running four Abrupt Decay, uh, f- uh, four Lightning Bolt, three Him to Torak, four Brainstorm, four Force of Will. So it also has, like, a pretty good protection suite of just killing anything that gets in the way of your ninjutsu creatures, and Force of Will just providing protection against the combo decks. Actually, yeah, that is good with the Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Lightning Bolt clears a path so something can get in. Yeah. So, like, Ro- Ross Miriam was just saying that uh, it's he he views this deck as an answer to miracles because miracles has problems with the grindy mid rangey decks that can bury them in card advantage. Um, and Shardless, uh, yeah, Shardless Bug is already a pretty good matchup for, uh, against miracles. You know, yeah. Shardless Bug is pretty favored. This just like ratchets it up and takes it to a whole nother level and just burying them in card advantage. Hmm, that seems pretty sweet. That is pretty. So what the way? So I'm trying to think of like, so how the hell would that work? So I attack with a baleful strix, uh, ninjutsu this other guy in, get my <laughs> baleful strix back before damage. You cast terminus. I cast my baleful strix again anyway. This is right. actually pretty fucking cute. <laughs> I'm not gonna this lie. This is cute. What, I like what, this man. One of the cards I've been dying to play in Legacy, and I've never gotten to cast it, is him to him to Torak. I want to find a deck in which I can play. Oh, it's Torak. so much more fun cascading into it. <laughs> uh, like casting two to make somebody discard two is good like Pox still do that shit yeah. I don't really play Pox but like just cascading into it and oh I get a creature and accidentally discard your hand is fucking <laughs> cute man when somebody's only down to two anyway yeah. it's fun yeah so I mean yeah if someone has kind of most of the pieces for Charlotte's Bug or Charlotte's uh, yeah Charlotte's Bug and just doesn't have the Tarmogoyce I think this is a perfectly reasonable alternative 
No, I'm going to put this together while I'm trying to put Shadless Bug together. I'll, yeah. I'll just go this way first. So I'll start with Force of Wills and then um, Liliana. And then I just keep Ninja of the Deep Hours, Baleful Strike, Shadless Agent. All that shit will be easy to come across. Deathrite Shavens after the reprint especially. Yeah, I mean, other than the Dual Lands, Liliana, and Force of Will, everything in the deck is $5 or less. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Any insight on the release of the next set? When, when are they going to release that shit? Or even start spoiling it? What's that? You, the, uh, the one that was Egyptian theme that Jerry was talking about. Oh, Amonkhet? Well, we still have... Don't the, Isn't there Aether Revolt still that has to come out for uh, for the current block? And then that one comes out in probably the spring, Amonkhet? Because Aether Revolt still has to come out. That's the second second set of the current block. Um, let me see. If I, actually, let me see if I can find the um, the set like release dates. Hold on one second. Oh, okay. Why do you have like insider information? Is like Dual Lands going to be reprinted in Omniket? No, I'm just I'm curious when when you would expect so, to see Zendikar fetches reprinted. So it looks like Omniket uh, Aether Revolt is January 2017. Um. Modern Masters 2017 is March. Modern then, Masters 2017, whoa. Yep. And then Amonkhet will be April 2017. Think they're going to do Tarmogoyf oh. again? Yeah, Are I they going to keep not. doing Tarmogoyfs? I hope not. Why? Because I have extra Tarmogoyfs that I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> Wait, really? I'm, I'm being selfish. <laughs> yeah, and I... Uh, well, yeah. This is what Jerry does, is he holds the collection forever... Meanwhile, he's looking at, like, student loans and shit. <laughs> I'm what, paying off my student loans at a reasonable clip. I pay extra. At a reasonable <laughs> clip. What the hell? Did you ever, see, ever hear that Adam Sandler song? I'm not making, like, minimum payments. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about, Pat? Yeah. I pay off student loans, and then Trump decides that he's just dis- he's going back to the gold standard, and money no longer exists. And now <laughs> I paid off all my student loans, and they would have just been forgiven. <laughs> could have just gone and had pizza. Uh, diver- it's all about diversification. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, in the... In- <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I also would like to say I had an awesome MTG mail day. My box of Eternal Master showed up today. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you buy a second box? Yeah, yeah, the second reprint came out, and I got it for 200 bucks. So I'm like, I can't say no to that. Jerry? Yeah? It came true. It came true. My bad. It did. I, I, said, I said there's going to be plenty of this product around. You'll be able to pick them up for under 200 bucks. Yeah, because Wizards did another print run. Hey, hey, I said it, and it happened. <laughs> you owe me. You owe me something. What, I will what find I owe you. <laughs> what, was, what was the shitty card in that set? What was the shitty mythic? Um, control magic? No, that, yeah. was, that was a rare. That was a rare. All right, Jerry, here, give, him a, give him the control magic in the box when you open it. He said you were. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm drafting it on uh I'm drafting it Thursday. So Oh yeah. Watch Open- it. Uh, tell me who wins. I bet he drafted Control Magic. Get <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, before we get too late, I got to get to bed, but I want to uh get, I want to get in some scoops before we get out of here. Okay. So, uh, oh. Also uh for what it's worth, I also did some I got I get some playmat messages out. Okay. So I got I'm going to have to mail out some playmats. Nice. Like, Hopefully, hopefully these guys have them by next week since they're hearing me. Uh, I, I gotta mail them out tomorrow. So hopefully by the time they hear this, they're already holding it. That'd nice. be great. And playing on it even better, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna scoop a, scoop you and Adrian for getting those playmats out there. 
That's awesome. Well, don't scoop me in yet until I get them out. Shit. Okay, well... Put, putting the pressure on me now. <laughs> and uh, and that's all, that's all I got. I got no scoops other than that. This Actually, you know what? No, I do have one scoop. Uh, Bobo, Bobo Fraggles, our friend Danny, who listens Bobo to the cast. Fraggles. Yeah. I thought you scooping Boba Fett. <laughs> no, no. Um, who runs the community, community Legacy League every Wednesday on Magic Online. Uh, I've been playing in that for the last, like, two months. I've been streaming it every Wednesday. It's been a ton of fun. Um, I've won some prizes on it, and I haven't had to pay any money into into the tournament to play it. Um, so I just want to give him a scoop in a top eight. Really appreciate the work that he does for that league. He really does a good job promoting it online, you know, on Facebook and on Twitter and stuff. It's totally free to enter. He was able to get Card Hoarder to provide prize support for the league, um, which is pretty amazing. And uh, it's just a... Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's always like 15 to 20 players every week, and we have a we have a blast playing in it. It's a nice little four round. Uh, it's where I get my my little legacy fix in the middle of the week. So big big uh, scoop into him for sure. Nice scoop into Card Hoarder for sponsoring it too. Absolutely, yeah, man, absolutely. What about you, Jerry? Who do you got, man? Uh, I'm gonna scoop in Josh for sending the list to me. Uh, I sometimes I feel Josh lives vicariously through me since he always <laughs> says military drill during every tournament ever. <laughs> so I'm always like, Josh, are you going to this tournament? He's like, Nah, military. I'm like, what about this one? Nah, military. So I'm gonna scoop Josh in because we we miss him in the tournament scene. Oh yeah, but... Josh is the shit. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll make it out more. And he's always keeping me up to date with these spicy four-color mid-range brews. <laughs> uh, yeah, what about you, Adrian? All right, I'm going to start with Brooks Dorsey, Jordan Munson, and Jonathan Douglas. Just because? Just because. Uh, just because they they helped. Uh, we were doing the Wounded Warrior Project, right? Yep. And these guys helped contribute to that. Oh, good for you guys. And then uh, what else? Also, want to scoop in Mark Kubiak. Uh, he's putting together 12 post for Legacy because he likes Tron. Nice. Or so I think he started looking towards 12 post. I think I think when he saw the list of what it did, and I said I was telling him, I said, yeah, I think Aaron was playing Ugin in it for a while. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever saw Aaron do that. Oh yeah. And I don't know if I don't know if 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 12 post would normally play Karn. Um, uh, I a think couple of guys most... I played against haven't been playing Karn. I, I've, I'm not used to what 12 post does. I'm just more used to how to play against it. Yeah, I think a lot of 12 post lists are running Ugin. It's just like it wipes the board. It's real good. Oh, Aaron was gross when he was doing it with a painter servant. Holy shit! Uh, when he said that. <laughs> yeah, your lands have colors now. <laughs> and I'll attack you with my two two. It's fucked up. It was it was good though. Uh, I give him credit. Give him credit. That was creative. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so, all right, then, yeah, and scoop in Aaron. Awesome. Something like that. So that's all I got. All right. You know what I got in my hand right now? Fuck you, oh, no, 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 no. Pat's already going <laughs> yeah. out with the Adam Sandler song. No. He's, he's, <laughs> no. Pat is all about going at a medium pace. <laughs> I, I, I listened to last week's episode yet. Did you close it out with 10 hours of the Jerry Springer chant? It was only about six seconds, but yes, I did close it out with the chant. <laughs> Not 10 hours? No. I, surprisingly, I couldn't fit it onto a, a set post. <laughs> you could have at least be like a full song's worth, like five minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many. Too many Jerry's. <laughs> too many Jerry's. <laughs> I think we just found the name of the episode, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right, here we go. 
What song do you not want to hear today, Pat? All of them. All I don't hear any of them. Not he's one. Gonna, he's going to do Adam Sandler at a medium pace. He's already going to figure it out. There's just, now, I think someone said that uh, we get veto, veto authority. Uh, I say, I say we do, we do the veto with a two thirds majority. <laughs> one person vetoes. So, their so two if Adrian and I, if Adrian and I veto everything that comes up, can we just move on? I just write an executive order and we go straight to fucking Adam Sandler at a medium pace. <laughs> no, no, this is a breakdown of democracy. Uh, branches of power, people. Go, go listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. Damn it. <laughs> can you just roll this thing so we can, I can just pretend that I'll actually play it at the end of the episode. And get out of here. <laughs> Later, I'm going to rain fire and brimstone upon you. <laughs> well, first you have to listen to the episode, so... <laughs> we got 15. What is it? 15. 1, 2, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 13, 15. Oh, shit, we asked the guy who needs his wife to do math to count to 15. Fantasy, Aldo Nova. <laughs> I just got vetoed. <laughs> you guys don't even know what it is. It could be a great song. It's... Let's let's take a listen. Let's take a listen before we uh, pass judgment. Maybe it's the greatest song ever. We'll, we'll give Pat editing privilege. If it's not, he could just go to Adam Sandler at a medium pace. Hold <laughs> on. All right, starting off with lots of gunshots. So okay. it's like it's from the 1970s. Oh, you know, this is a weird music video so far. <laughs> I like okay. how you're just live tweeting. Oh my god, he's shooting lasers from his guitar! <laughs> <laughs> he just blew open a door with his guitar and just fired lasers. <laughs> We're like a minute 30 into the music video and there's no music yet. <laughs> oh, this is good. I like this. This is catchy. Cool. Cool. You can listen to it now, Jerry, not in the end of the episode. Good night, guys. No, 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 this is good. This is good. I like this one. I like this one. Close us out, Pat. Play us out with some sweet laser guitars. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. (laughs) See you, Adrian. Good night, guys. Everybody have a good Monday. Yeah, you too.